Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Corinthians 15. I want to begin with verse number 51. Verse 51. I got a lot of scripture I'm going to read tonight, so pardon. I already apologize for you standing so long. Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 4, a few verses of scripture. First Thessalonians chapter number 4. You think I'm at a graveside service right now, the scriptures I'm reading to you. First Thessalonians 4 verse 13. It says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be. I like that. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This is my last scripture for now. Romans 8 and verse 11. Romans 8 and verse 11. The Bible states these words. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen. For a little while tonight, I just want to have our Bible lesson along this line. Living in hope. Living in hope. Living in Christ Jesus allows us to be able to live in hope. Amen this evening. Let's pray together. Father, I'm thankful, Lord, God, for, Lord, the ability. God, that in a very, very finite life, Lord Jesus, I can have infinite hope. God, because, Lord, of who I put my trust in, of who I put my confidence in. God, I pray, oh, Lord, we live in a world that's vying, Lord Jesus, for something that they can hope in. Pray, oh, Lord, minister to us tonight through your word, the teaching of your word. I pray, oh, God, let it become light, Lord Jesus, unto our pathway, unto our steps. Help us, Lord Jesus, as we trudge along, Lord Jesus, on this journey tonight. In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. Living. 
living in hope. In March the 8th of 2010, there was an issue of the weekly periodical called The Big Issue in Scotland, mind you, that Adam Forrest addressed a major cultural problem in the nation of Scotland. In his article titled, Methadone is a Noose Around My Neck. In the article, he tackled the epidemic use of substance called methadone to assist individuals who are addicted to heroin. And uh, Forrest wrote, he said, in a quiet corner of Beersden, one woman is helping addicts quit cold turkey. Maxie Richards, a devout Christian, has for two decades been taking in hard drug users as guests in her home for however long it takes to turn them around. She loathes methadone and has watched the treatments rise with despair. It's sedation. It's not a treatment, not a cure, she sighs. People are coming here in complete despair after years on methadone. They're unhappy. They need to come off it, but clinics just up the dose. It makes me so upset to see a generation without hope like this. And so it seems Richard's statement, Maxine Richard's statement, would sum up the issue probably best. A generation left without hope. And there's something in my spirit that really resonates with that statement, a generation that is without hope. Because just over the past week or so, and I shared this with just Bishop on Sunday, that indicated to me probably even more, more so than ever how we live in a society that feel as though they are hopeless and that there isn't any beyond what we uh, tangibly can feel and what we can see with our eyes. What we read in the headlines of the newspaper, you know, uh, news isn't news unless it's bad news. And we hear the stories constantly of, of murders and drug addicts and drunkards hitting children and molestation and rape and just the list goes on and on and on. It constantly just proliferates the media that we get our hands on. But uh, just to explain what I'm talking about, how we live in a hopeless society. And I guess trying to bring to the forefront of the mind of the church then how, how honored we should feel and how grateful we should really be whenever we have came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. They've come to know Him and the power of His might and of his resurrection because there are people just beyond these doors tonight that are very much so wishing and desiring that they had the hope that we have just on the inside of these doors because they're looking at situations even within their own homes and families that they do not see a solution to that even uh, counselors and different people that they have consulted with has done nothing. It's almost like the lady with the issue of blood that visited many physicians concerning her condition. The Bible says that she seemed to be left worse. And I don't necessarily think it's that the physicians did something to her to make her condition worse, but it was worse in the fact that they could do nothing for her condition. They couldn't do anything for her condition. And so that, that just underlines and emphasizes and emboldens then how bad the condition was 
whenever you search for help through different venues and they are still helpless for your condition. And because that, that would seem to be the, the feel of society because they are constantly looking for different venues and avenues to offer that help. And they even sometimes have high expectations that they've finally found it. This is going to be the silver bullet, if you will. This is going to be the cure to uh, the upheaval in my life, only to leave that, to understand it was just as hopeless, just as helpless as the last thing that they encountered. And so they feel in a worse condition, and they're having less faith that there is possibility of hope for them and their circumstance. But we have the church on the flip side of that is not the case. I don't know if you understand that tonight. What a great gift it is to be a child of God. What a great gift it is to feel the master. What brought this home to me, Brother Mason, over the past week or so was uh, I, I sent a text to my wife. It was last Friday morning. Uh, last Friday morning, I was about ready to upload the podcast of last Wednesday of the podcast because in doing so I'll tell you how many people heard the podcast how many streamed it how many downloaded so on and so forth and I've shot I've shot texts and stuff to different people I don't think I ever have the bishop just because I haven't but uh, I did I had to brother Mason one time because I think when he was in his one of his Psalms 91 a series one of those lessons hit close to almost 500 people and so on and so forth and I just find it interesting uh, the up and the down of, of the measure that takes place and as I was doing that there was something that indicated to me that we're living in a very hopeless world and or a feeling of hopelessness among society because as I was looking uh, last Sunday nights I guess it would be now or two Sundays ago because last Sunday we didn't have service two Sundays ago uh, I preached a sermon about there is hope in the end this has never happened before and I guarantee you right now this is not because of the preaching or the preacher this is because of the content that there were 2,260 podcasts concerning that sermon that's never happened thus far we've had 500 we've had but never that and it's not because of the preaching or the preacher I tell you what it was it was because people were trying to identify with something whenever people get on that podcast they do you, you Listen to me now, folks. You can do search, and you know, those words in a title or even the description serve as tags that if they're searching for, per se, the word hope, then it's going to hit with there is hope in the end. I feel confident. I don't know this for sure, but I feel confident in my spirit. The reason why there was 2,260 podcast listens in less than 72 hours, because I didn't upload it till Tuesday, in less than 72 hours is because we live in a world and in a society that has been delivered a bag of goods that is horrific, dilemmas, upheaval, shortcomings, high expectations that are not being met in homes and marriages and jobs, in life in general. And they are looking, they are looking for hope. They're looking for the answer. And whenever I see that and understand that I sit here in Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night services, and within the grasp of my arms and in my life is the very thing that they are looking for it's a very sobering moment for this pastor it's a very sobering moment I think it should be for any child of God that while we're here with our 50 or our 70 there's 2,000 plus people that's looking for the hope there's 2,000 plus people desiring amen to somehow get out of their pit of hopelessness and 
see the light at the end of the tunnel and see something that can grant them, hey, we can meet your expectation. And I'm not here to preach. I'm really here to teach. But that was just so astounding to me because there is a generation that is seemingly left without hope. They're around us. We eat beside them. They're our co-workers. They're the cashiers. They're all around us. They're hopeless. They're searching for that hope. And when we talk about hope, the, the terms of hope and the term of faith, many times people uh, try to draw a very fine line between them, trying to uh, decipher uh, where does hope stop and faith begin or vice versa almost using them uh, interchangeably because hope and faith are almost like uh, two sides to the same coin you know you gonna call Abraham Lincoln the penny or you're gonna tell the backside where the building is at the penny you know well they're just kind of two sides to the same coin they're interchangeable but if I could describe tonight whenever we speak about hope hope is almost like and similar to to a seed uh, there have been history uh, documented history records that uh, stories about, if you will, seeds. They have discovered at times seeds that have been in the tombs of the Egyptians. And those seeds that are in the tombs of the Egyptians, people, when they have found them, they have taken them and they have planted them and those seeds have produced. Years removed from the moment of time that they were encased in the tomb of that Pharaoh or whoever it may be, they took out of there now, planted them in the ground, and they produced. Because with a seed, there is always hope for another. There's always hope for more fruit as long as there is a seed. Uh, there have been seeds that even in an earthly type measure, volcanoes and stuff that have erupted or earthquakes that have erupted uh, and taken place, that there have been seeds that in periods of uh, being in the ground and because of these upheavals of the earth, uh, they, 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 they begin to sprout forth at their volcanic activity or earthquake activity because they still had inside of them the ability to produce amen seeds if you will contain hope of life something's going to live something's going to be produced something's going to go on now now we can have faith no doubt we can my faith is in my hope my seed my faith causes me to water it my faith causes me to put it in a place that the sun can shine upon it. It causes me to go out at harvest time and pick the fruit uh, from what is produced. But in essence, the hope is just all just there in that seed. Because see, once the harvesting is over and, and the planting and the watering and the sun shining, all of that is over and all the fruit's been picked. You know what still remains? And every farmer that would know anything knows he does this. He might sell a lot of his produce and a lot of his product. But you know what he's going to retain? He's going to retain from seed, some seed from his harvest. Why? Because it's hope for his next harvest. Because he's going to take that seed and invest it in the ground. And with that, he has a hope for the next harvest so the seed is nothing but a consistency if you will of the produce a consistency if you will of the harvest because the seed goes in the ground it gives a lot of fruit bears a lot of seed to plant again and for this cycle to take place over and over and over again but there's something about hope hope sometimes or at least I think it should be the last thing that is lost Hope should be the last thing that is lost. 
And many times hope is the last thing that's lost. Even in our own individual lives, we understand that we can take a lot. There's a lot that we can endure. Uh, there's a lot of blows that we can sustain in our life. But you know it's getting pretty horrific whenever you're starting to lose hope. It's like the end of the end whenever you begin to lose hope. And so then it's very astounding to me, again, Bishop, to consider the condition of the world that if they are staged in a place where they feel like they're losing hope, they've already went through a bunch. They've already had a lot of disappointments. They've already heard a lot of promises that came to be empty. And to get to this place of what I would consider the last step of losing hope, they are in a very deplorable, deplorable state. There was a story that was told, and uh, it's adapted from an African story. But he said a farmer stood with his wife and son looking at uh, dried sun-scorched fields with shriveled, immature crops from a drought. And they had hoped to pay the mortgage on the farm and buy a new tractor from that harvest. Instead, they faced loss. They faced despair. They faced hunger. And while the father voiced concern daily about their survival, the son replied, Hey, Dad, he says, We have food. It's in the barn. There are bags of wheat. There's corn uh, for, for making bread and beans for making soup. We can make it. No need to worry. But his father looked at his son with sad eyes and said, that seed, son, is for next spring, the next sowing, the next harvest, our future in farming. He says, we dare not use it for daily food. If we eat that seed, we have to give up farming and find a new career altogether. For this farmer, the hope was in the bags of seeds that were still in the barn. His hope wasn't in the weather. His hope was not in his expertise or in his ability. It was not even in the fertility of the field. His hope was invested in the seed that was in the barn that would give another harvest. And he thought, my hope's not gone. I don't have to fret because there's still some seed that is in the barn. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have hope tonight because there is a seed. There is a seed that is still in the barn even of Christianity. The Bible tells me that except a, a grain of wheat fall into the ground, a seed, and die, that it's, and virtually it's not going to profit anything. But we have such experience that this seed that we would call the life of Jesus Christ that did invest itself in a tomb and die did not remain though in that stage. This is a seed that is unlike any other. Amen. That it came back to life and we still have a seed. We still have a Savior. Do you understand? Every other religion, every other thing in the world who has a God has a God that's dead. Muhammad is not alive. Allah is not alive. Every other doctrine and dogma that's based upon the theories and the teaching of a man, John Wesley, whoever you wish to call, all of these men are dead. There is no hope in something dead. But the God that you and I serve, Jesus Christ manifested, God manifested in the flesh. He did die, but he did not remain dead. He is the only God in this universe that is still alive and well. And you know what that does for his followers and his believers? It gives them hope. Hope. They're talking about what had happened. We're still talking about what is happening because he's alive 
and a well, and he intermingles in the affairs of his people. Hope! Hope! On this solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I put my trust, I put my hope in Jesus tonight. Someone say amen. Bible speaks of the hope of the saints. It speaks of various hopes. In Titus 2 and verse number 13, the Bible states these words, looking for that blessed hope. Everybody say blessed. Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Looking for that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for our salvation, for our redeeming, for the buying back of ourselves is one of the most treasured commodities in the world. One of the most treasured. Ah, Scripture declared it to be there. Blessed hope. Oh, what a blessing it is to be a child of God. Amen. See, there is a message that needs to be beyond this platform tonight, going beyond these walls to a society that is looking, that's searching. I guarantee you, I wish we could somehow take a demographic view of everybody's Google search in the city of Mount Carmel and see what they're searching for, see what they're trying to find answers to, because I would dare to say intermingled among that would be some people looking for answers, looking for hope, and I stand here as the only church in the, in the, in the county, the only church in the city, amen, Hallelujah, that propagate, amen, Jesus Christ as being Savior and Lord and all the doctrines and truth of this word, amen. And these people are looking for hope and we need to cry out, amen, we have that hope. He died, he rose again, but he's here to take care of your situation and your need. We have that hope. Maybe some of it's lack of understanding. I know not, but it's there. He is my hope. Scripture speaks of him and in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. He is that comforting hope. After they were speaking about him coming again, descending from heaven with a shout, calling God's people home, the rapture, if you will, of the church. You know what the apostle said? Considering he's, he's, he's portraying the, the coming of the Lord to the people. He's portraying what's going to happen on that great day of the Lord, as we call it. And he ends in that matter with these words of 1 Thessalonians 4.18. He says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words words what did he know he said I know you're going to be persecuted I know you're going to have tribulation I know you're going to have heartache but whenever all that happens just begin to remember the story amen that he's going to come back for you he's not going to leave you destitute he's not going to leave you out on a limb with no hope comfort each other with these words we the old songs probably more than any uh, speak a lot of times of that hope of the coming of the Lord uh, there's the old songs about someday if you will will understand it better by and by. The old song that said, won't it be wonderful there? Hmm, having no burdens to bear. Joyfully singing. Woo! 
Somebody hear me tonight. What's that talking about? That was talking about a people that was staged in the temporal. A people that was staged in dilemmas like you and I are in right now in this present world. But the writer took his pen and put it to paper and said, hey, it's not in this life only that I have hope. Amen. But I have hope in a life beyond this one. Oh, someone say glory. I really, I am, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm just trying to teach here this evening. Because hope brings a comfort. What does hope do for you personally? Hope brings a comfort that someday it's going to be different. Hope brings a comfort that it's not always going to be as it is now. And what happens is we then start to build our expectations around that hope. And whenever those are not met, it's frustrating. Whenever those don't come to fruition, it's frustrating. Peter spoke of it in 1 Peter 1.3 as a lively hope. He said, Blessed be the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a a lively hope he's begotten us again you're born once in your flesh but you're being born of the spirit now he's begotten us again and two not a dead hope not a hope that per se just lasts as long as there's life and breath in your lungs upon your journey upon the earth no no but a lively hope if I could even say a living hope Woo! hallelujah a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead a living hope Peter all through first Peter uh, even the scriptures of Peter Peter at different times several times uh, he is speaking about the lively hope or the liveliness amen it's all because we have a living Christ we have a living God the resurrection of Jesus Christ it may have taken place more than 2,000 years if you will ago amen but the reality of the hope that existed then still exists today that Jesus is alive and he is well because we have as I've already said a living savior it's more than me just going through a document of his but I, it resonates with me every day in my life. I have a living Savior. When I pray, I have somebody that is absolutely alert and aware of what I'm saying. And I'm not trying to pray through the ground to a tomb. I am praying to something that is alive. A living Savior. A lively hope. It was such a lively hope that whenever Jesus in New Testament Scripture, amen, was four days late and he got there to where Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, was sick and now he has been dead four days and he tells old Martha that has already got herself all in a, worked up and it didn't take much for Martha but she's all worked up and she's in a tizzy had you not been here sooner our brother would not have died oh don't worry about it Martha he shall
shall live. Oh, she, she even already knew. She was already included in about the future hope. She says, Lord, I know he shall live. Amen. In the resurrection. But Christ stood there and said, Behold, I am the resurrection and the life. What are you saying today? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not even just talking about a hope of resurrection someday. But the same Jesus that walked among them then is walking among us now, maybe not in flesh and blood. Amen. As they seen and touched him. But I hear the voice of the Savior today saying, Folks, I'm still the resurrection right now. I'm still your lively hope. I'm still your answer to your dilemma. I'm the solution to your problem. Oh, yes. We need to herald that from the pinnacle of this temple. We need to herald that outside these doors. There is hope found here. Why is it so important? I tell you why it's so important. Because the story of commonality of those that come in the doors is this. I've done too much. I've went too far. I've went at too great of a distance. And they're throwing everything upon you of what they've done, where they've been, how they've acted, how they've reacted. You know what they're telling you while they're saying all those words? You know what's in between the lines? There's no hope for me. There's no hope for me. I'm in a hopeless situation. I'm at the uttermost. I'm to the deepest of the pit. And we need to look squarely back in their eyes and say, sir, ma'am, there is hope for you. There is, I know you've tried a bunch of other things that has served no remedy, but there is a living, lively hope here for you. Yes. Oh, I love you, Jesus. You're my hope. You're my promise of a tomorrow. You're my promise of an afterlife. Spin and glory. You're my hope. Hallelujah. I'm going to assume this is mine from Sunday morning. Oh, let's just raise our hands to him. Let's just thank him. There's nothing wrong with taking a moment of reflection upon that hope we have in him. Oh, God. Lord, I'm so privileged. God, I'm so privileged. So thankful. God, I want to be grateful today. Lord, help me to realize, Lord, this great gift of seed of hope, Lord, that I have in my life. Jesus, Jesus, First John three three spoke of it as being a, 
a purifying hope. He says, and every man that hath this hope in him. Look at that. Every man that hath, uh, let me pause in the right spot here. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Me being in a state of a sinner within the world of my sin, I'm without help in a hopeless world. Because as a sinner or as a believer, I got to come to terms with this that I cannot save myself. I cannot save myself, but my hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. If I can just read some other scriptures, and I, I'm trying to move along here, amen. But 1 Corinthians 15, if we could go there again, but I want to read starting at verse number 12. Look at the scripture here. <laughs> it's important to know that Christ's resurrection is our basis for hope it's important to understand that uh, and folks uh, I know we, we need not to overlook uh, the crucifix I mean I preach that we need not to overlook the crucifix that is vitally important the dying the suffering amen with the Lord that is absolutely true but folks it would be absolutely a horrid end if there wasn't a resurrection with all the expectations of saying you can destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. With all the words that were spoken that preceded that momentous day of Calvary, all those expectations that were built around three days later, something's going to happen. Imagine if day four came and he was still in the tomb and the stone was still rode there. You know what would have happened? People would have lost all hope. But that's not what happened. Our hope is based upon his resurrection. Verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? He's talking to the Sadducees. And if you kind of draw that out, you understand why they're sad, you see. It's because they didn't believe in a resurrection. <laughs> he said, But if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection? If there's no resurrection, then why is this being said that this happened? And indeed, it did happen. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? If there's no resurrection, he's still in the tomb. <laughs> and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain. Then everything we've been talking about, every city, every town, every village, every synagogue, temple, all of our preaching's been in vain. And for that matter, your faith that you've had in our preaching and what we spoke about, it's in vain too. He says, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. If, if all we're saying is just a bunch of falsified pseudo stuff, then we're false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. We said God did that. God raised him up, whom he raised not up, supposedly they say. It shall be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith, here he's just tying it all together in summary, then your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. In other words, you don't have no hope. Amen. If he wasn't raised, if there isn't a resurrection, then the faith that you've had in our preaching is vain and you are still in your sins. Because there's only remission of sins by the shedding of the blood and you had blood shed, but that guy's still dead. 
There can be no new life. He says, then, then are you still yet in your sins? Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ perished. In other words, those who are already dead, those who already died, and that's been the end of them. Nice having them upon there for 75 years. That's the end of it. That's the extent of it. Nothing more. And he says, the verse that I've already referred to, he says, if in this life, I love this verse, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, in this life right now that we're living only, we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. Talking to the sage, you guys who don't believe in the afterlife, you don't believe in anything beyond the grave, that the only way that he can help you is in your living life, if that's all you think your hope is, is composed of, then honey, you're, you're worse off than what we thought. You are miserable. Because it only lasts as long as you last. Woo! He says, but those that have hope in life beyond this one, <laughs> that aids the hope that they have while they're even living this present day life. But now he says, is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept? The resurrection of Jesus is the basis. I've got to move on. The basis of our takes us beyond our hurts beyond our hindrances beyond our pains there's been many people you know you know why sister bonnie young not long ago in the conversations that she had with us could hardly get words out of her mouth could speak and even smile and still be so peaceful because she has she had a hope that was beyond this present life she had a hope she had hurts yes she had pains yes oh she had a lot of struggle in the last years of her life Yes, yes, yes. But she understood there's a life after this one. And there's a city that has gates of pearl, streets of gold. They say there's no more crying there. There's no more pain there. Woo! There's no more sorrow there. Hmm. Honey, she passed out of this life, but with a firm grip on her everlasting hope. Really, we cannot bring that into our minor terms what that will be like or what that shall be like but I do know this ultimately our faith reacts to our hope and empowers us to perform acts of faith because faith isn't energized unless it has something it's hoping about why is it then that scripture tells us in Hebrews 11 1 uh, the definition, if you will, of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith doesn't have legs to stand on without hope because it's the hope that energizes the faith. And the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Amen. Whenever he was speaking to the church at Thessalonica, he encouraged them, amen, by talking about the rapture of the church, told them how death was going to lose its sting. Amen. Our hope is not gone in our last breath. It's not gone in our final resting place. It's not gone when they've written the epitaph. Amen. For us, it's not gone then because our hope is not necessarily in the created things, but it's in the creator that is still yet alive and well. I'm moving on here just a little bit tonight and we'll, 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 we'll wrap it up here soon. But Psalm 71 and verse 5, I want to go here at least before I finish. Psalm 71 and verse 5. The psalmist is writing. He says, 
For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Thou art my trust from my youth. And please don't misunderstand. I know we trust in people. You know, we trust in our parents and teachers, friends. Some people trust in talents and abilities and skill sets and all of those things, willpower, whatever you wish to do. But the rubber meeting the road is this, that all those other things that we trust in will undoubtedly disappoint us at times, may even disillusion us at times. Because this is the statement that I kind of lean on is this, is that human realities fall short of human expectations. Human realities fall short of human expectations. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to close with this right here this evening. Marina Krakowski, must be Russian, in her article, that was stereotypical, may not have been. In her article, Hope Can Be Worse Than Hopelessness, the New York Times 2007, she writes, People often display a remarkable ability to adapt to adversity, bouncing back to their usual levels of happiness despite extreme hardships. But people don't always rebound. Scientists have long wondered what factors might account for the difference. In a talk at Harvard in September, a team of researchers suggested that one obstacle to emotional recovery, oddly enough, listen to me here very carefully, is hope. The belief that your current hardship is temporary. From the beginning, the investigators suspected that hope might sometimes be counterproductive. Listen, prisoners with life sentences, but with the possibility of parole, adapt less well to prison life. For example, than a prisoner with life sentences without the possibility of parole. Simply being this, People without hope adjust and accept this world with resonation that this is the way it is. But people with a lively hope never feel quite right about the world. You understand what I'm saying? Because if they don't think there's no hope, then they'll just lull back and say this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's been. This is the way it's always going to be. So I might as well involve myself to the depths of what's going on around me because it can't change anyway. But people that have a semblance of hope say, you know what? I expect it isn't always going to be like this. I'm looking for something better. I'm looking for something greater. So I'm not going to get too attached to where I am right now. I'm not going to get too attached to the world or to the environment that I'm living in right now because I don't think it is always going to be this way. They have hope of something more. Folks, you understand, that is the exact reason why we got to have this message of hope beyond here. Because if they stay in a state of hopelessness, they'll just continue adapting to their surroundings, believing this is really what life is all about. But those that have been exposed to Christ, been exposed to the love and the adoration of a Savior, understand there's something greater, there's something better. And I'm not going to lull back into the lullaby of what the world is playing me, saying this is how it has to to be. It don't have to be this way. I don't have to feel this way. I don't have to act this way. I don't have to care. No, 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 no. There is hope. 
Brother Mason, if you'll come, hallelujah. We bow our heads across this place tonight. Most, if not all of you, have been exposed to that, but there are perhaps some here sitting under the sound of my voice tonight. You've been coming here, but you've not experienced yet the totality of that hope that is in Christ Jesus. You appreciate what you feel when you come. You may even appreciate the kindness of these good people, and I hope that is the case. But perhaps there are still some, some, some unresolved issues, and there's always going to be issues. I don't want you to get the wrong idea or the wrong picture. There's always going to be issues, but there's something about looking at a field that's been savaged, if you will, by the weather, knowing that there's seed in the barn for the future harvest than looking at one and there's nothing in the barn I'm sitting here tonight and I'm talking to those that may not have any hope that may feel hopeless that feel like they're grabbing for straws right now they are at the end of the road if you will they've already endured a lot and now they're wondering because it seems like their expectations ain't being met because this should have already happened this should have already taken place let me tell you put your trust in God put your trust in Jesus Christ he died he's already been tried it's proven he's already died they already beat him the blood already spilled in his body they already per se stamped him out but you know what as the old song I think Southern Gospel maybe song even says you know you just can't keep a good man down he got back up what'd that do that gave them hope it gives society today hope it put a sense of belonging among his disciples that right prior to him dying and him being taken even from the garden the Bible says that they fled and they dispersed no doubt there is even a lot of questionability and there's a lot of things that they're wondering and they're, they're kind of skeptical. But on resurrect, resurrection morning and not that long after that, we see them what? Rather than being fled and dispersed all these different ways, they're back together. <laughs> Jesus comes walking through the wall. My peace be with you. Whew. What caused that to happen among them? Hope was restored. Hope was restored restored God's here tonight I feel the presence of the almighty savior in this place that if you're holding right now an empty bag there's no seed there there's no promise there there's no hope there I'm trying to relate to you tonight that there is still hope there's still hope there's hope of an afterlife there is going to be one no matter what side of the fence you're on saint or sinner there is going to be an afterlife Behold, behold, a lot more profitable for you, though, if it's of the life of the new resurrection. If, you're, if you repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you walk in the newness of life like he's had that newness of life. It's a whole lot more profitable for you. But even beyond that, right now in this life, he's your resurrection. He's your resurrection, folks. If that same spirit which raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, what did Romans say? It will quicken your mortal bodies. There's hope for you. There's hope for you. There's hope for your circumstance. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your teenage sons and your teenage daughters. There's hope for the backslidden children. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. We'll sing right now. These altars are open. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.